From the New York City area, welcome to the Badass Counseling Show, where the master badass himself, Sven Erlinson, takes you deep and gives balm for the soul, baby. And we are in studio, ready for another lightning round. I've got a whole queued up audience from around the world, from Kentucky, from Lubbock, Texas, from Ireland, several in the house from Ireland. They've already been checking in, telling me where everyone's from. Uh, we've got uh, Whittier, California in the house, and I see we've got some folks from Down Under and South Africa, Japan, and other places west and east, north and south, Vegas, Colorado. Great to have everyone here. Thanks for checking into the Badass Counseling Show. We're taping an episode of Lightning Round, and the topic tonight that we're looking at, we've looked at it before, but we're going into, I'm, I want to focus especially on, not exclusively, but especially on breakups, dealing with breakups. Should I break up? I just broke up. It's killing me. You know, when is it okay to break up? Anything regarding breakups. So we're going to try to get some questions on that if some of the folks tuning in have breakup questions. I am in studio with uh, my two producing partners. I've got KC over in the booth, who, as you know, is always silent, and she shall continue to be silent. And then I've got uh, my master mixer here, Rob. Rob, how are you this I'm evening? I'm the king mixer, right, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Are you now? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for you. And your followers are ready for you. They are lined up. Sam. They are lined up. They I want, see They want a ride in your beautiful balloon, which is much better than other balloons in the news lately. So Indeed. Go get them. All right. Well, let's up, up, and away in my beautiful balloon. You got it. The fifth dimension of me. All right. Here we go. So we're diving right in, you guys' questions. Lay it on me, Moo Cow. Here we go. Why can't I get my ex off my mind after a year? She told me, quote, my love wasn't good enough. I need uh, clarification here, Freddie. I'm going to go two ways with this. You put in quotes, she told me, and then you put it in quotes. So did she tell you my love? So imagine I'm her talking right now. My love wa wasn't good enough for you, Freddie. Or did she tell you, Freddie, your love wasn't good enough for me if I'm her? <laughs> I'm going to assume you mean that she was saying your love wasn't good enough for her. So you asked the question, why can't I get my ex off my mind after a year? You know, holding on or feeling like we still have a foot in a past relationship is very common, sometimes even two feet in a past relationship, that we feel the feelings of love. We feel the feelings of longing. And uh, it seems illogical to you in this case, doesn't it? She told you that your love wasn't good enough for her, and yet you still want her. The mere fact that she told you that your love wasn't good enough for her uh, indicates a couple of things. One, who the fuck says that to another person? Your love wasn't good enough for me. You know what? You can break up. There's a classy way to break up. And the classy way to break up, one of the classy ways is to say, you know what? You're a great person. And, you know, I really, you're great and so on and so forth. It just didn't work out. I'm just not feeling the chemistry, but it's not about you. You, you know, you're great. And it's not about me. It's just, you know, have you ever been on a date with somebody literally, okay, step out of that uh, breakup situation. Have you ever been out of, uh, on a date? Maybe a first date. And the person is attractive and they're smart and they're funny and, you know, they got a lot going for them. But for whatever reason, you just don't feel the chemistry. It's not because they're a bad person, not because you're a bad person. It's just the, the click isn't there, you know, the chemistry. And it takes that sort of spark to get things going. And, you know, and um, so it's not, so when somebody breaks up, it's not that the other person is a bad person or something. It's just the chemistry is gone. And so I feel it and I want to move on. Now, obviously, you know, uh, to end a long relationship, that 
sense of feel and love and so forth has to be gone for a long time, right? But the point is, you don't have to say to another person, oh, you were this and this is what's wrong with you and your love wasn't good enough for me. Fuck you. Who the fuck says that to someone? Why, why is there a need to put down the other person when you're breaking up with them? Freddie's question was, why can't I get my ex off my mind after a year? She told me that my love wasn't good enough for her. Okay, the mere fact that she said your love's not good enough for me uh, gives us an indicator of what sort of person she was, that she felt quite comfortable hurting you and telling you that something you were doing wasn't good enough for you. She, uh, that tells us about her. She could have just said, you know, I just don't feel anymore. You know, we need to move on, whatever. But she didn't. She was quite comfortable taking a poke at you, all right? Um, but it also says something about you that if you're choosing someone who is that sort of way, it, there is a potential that she said similar uh, hurtful things previously in the relationship. And if she did and you stayed in a relationship where someone spoke to you that way, it's an indicator of a few things uh, to me. And I'm not blaming you for her treating you this way. I'm not blaming the victim. I'm just saying oftentimes in life, we're conditioned to believe things about ourselves such that when we get into relationships or we get into parenting or we get into job situation, we allow, we allow, I'm not saying we cause, we allow someone to treat us poorly, all right? So if she's saying at the point of the breakup, oh, your love just wasn't good enough for me, it, I'm betting she was that same asshole two months or uh, you know eight months into your relationship and you allowed it then. Well, the mere fact that you would allow it says that you likely so badly wanted that relationship or you were taught to not think much of yourself. You were taught to allow people to treat you shitty. Well, and that's the beautiful part of that. Painful as it is, awful as it is, the beautiful part of that is that's a point of healing for you. That's a point of where the hell was I taught that I'm so worth jack shit, nothing, that I allow someone to talk to me this way. Do you see, is this too intricate or are you guys tracking with me here? Do you understand what I'm saying? That if she's acting this way, in the, in the breakup, it's an indicator that she's probably been acting this way at other times prior to the breakup. And if she had been doing that, you were allowing it at previous times, which is an indicator. If I'm allowing someone to hurt me, that's an indicator that I have low self-esteem inside of me. That's an indicator that I have pain from my past that I haven't healed, that I'm allowing more pain to be heaped on top of me. But that's not the question you ask me. You ask me, why can't I get my ex off my mind? Because if you have those beliefs inside of you, and core beliefs is what my counseling is about. It's not just getting the fear of the pain out. But if you have the core beliefs inside of you that you ain't worth a shit, then you having someone in your life is a counter message to the message you've been getting your whole life and the message of, oh, you, you ain't shit, you're no good, you're not worthwhile, you don't matter, you're not lovable. Well, if I've got someone who, who's with me right now loving on me, well, maybe I am lovable. And maybe all those messages, I can push those down further. I don't hear them when I have someone loving me because it's a counter message. It's basically saying, no, those voices aren't true. So then if that person walks away and leaves me, then all those voices come right back up into my head, right? And so part of why we hold on to that person and want that person back isn't necessarily because that person was a fucking peach, <laughs> but but because we miss what basically the function that they served in life and the function that they served is they made all my bad voices inside go away or certainly a lot of them. Next question. All right, all right, all right, all right. What do we got? I'm 28 uh, with a girlfriend with four kids and I'm interested in another girl. I feel like I haven't lived my young life. This is Mikey talking and he says, I'm 28 with a girlfriend who has four kids. 
with a girlfriend with four kids. I'm going to assume the way you write that, you don't have four kids together, but she has four kids. I'm going to assume that, Mikey. I hope I'm right on that one. So I'm 28. I got a girlfriend with who has four kids. I'm interested in another girl. I feel like I haven't lived my young life. My question to you is a few things. One, um, if you're interested in another girl, nothing wrong with that. Go to the other girl. First thing you do not do, Mikey, first thing you do not do is you do not call that other girl. You do not text that other girl. You do not reach out surreptitiously. You do not go by that other girl's business or where she works. You do not oh, go to the gym at the same time she happens to be there because you know she's always there. You don't make flirty eyes with that girl. You don't do any of those things with that girl while you are still with this one. Not cool, not okay. That's fucked up shit. All right? And that only brings harm to people, right? To the girl you're trying to like when you still got one foot back here, you're basically lying to two people. You're basically saying to two, and I, and I know you didn't say you did this. I'm just saying, don't do this, all right? You are saying, fuck you to two different women. If you start talking to this new girl while you're still in a relationship with this woman here, okay? You're saying, fuck you to two different people. You wanna know how you're saying, fuck you? You're saying, fuck you by saying, I really, really like you. And I really, really like you. And I bet you're not telling them about the other person. Now, if you tell them about the other person and are honest and you say to the new girl, before you say to your existing girlfriend, I'm going to go find a new girl. And if your existing girlfriend says, oh, okay, well, then you're clear. You've been honest. And, it, and you tell new girl on the very first date, oh, by the way, I have a girlfriend and she told me and uh, that it's okay to date you. And so I'm just letting you know. And then this girl is okay with it. Hey, great. Now everybody's playing above board. But you don't get to go talk to new girl if you're still in a relationship with you know this woman, especially when she has four kids. See, now you're fucking with five people. And the reason it's a fuck you to both of them is because you're using both of them to get your own needs met. So this is a very long-winded way of saying, don't do that shit. All right, Mikey, if you're dating a 28-year-old, 20, I'm gonna assume you're likely in your 20s as well. All right, maybe early 30s, whatever. All right, so I'm gonna tell you what any guy or any woman older would tell you, don't do that shit. Don't be that guy, okay? So, but you never said you were, so I'm not I'm not putting you down because I'm sure you haven't done that. What I am gonna say now is, if you're interested in another girl, what's interesting is you, you say, I'm 28 with a girlfriend with four kids. Girlfriend, you use the word girlfriend, so clearly you're in an exclusive relationship. And then you say, I'm interested in another girl. I feel like I haven't lived my young life. That, that last sentence is brilliant. You say, I haven't lived my, I feel like I haven't lived my young life. And inside of that is what you're really saying is I want to live my young life. I don't want to be tied down. Well, it's not tied down to a girlfriend. You put in that piece in there with four kids. I mean, that's really what we're talking about, isn't it? It's not just being in a relationship with one person. It's you're in a relationship with five people and their expectations and their demands. And I'm sure she's a wonderful woman. I'm sure you'd even say she's a wonderful woman, but it's not what you want for your life. And I got news for you, Mikey. Mikey says, I'm 28 with your girlfriend and four kids. I'm interested in another girl. I feel like I haven't lived my young life yet. I have news for you, Mikey. That's okay. It's okay. It's okay like you feel you haven't lived your young life yet. And you want to know what else is okay? It's okay to break up and go live that life you wanna live. And not only is it okay, it's necessary. Do you wanna know why? Because your eye is already wandering. 
The mere fact that your eye is wandering and that you are interested in someone else is an indicator that you have lost interest in this relationship. Now, you may be holding on because it's secure, or maybe you're holding on because you don't want to hurt your present woman's heart, okay? And you don't want to hurt the kids' hearts. But you, this, this is the come-to-Jesus moment of your life of the last two or five years or 10 years. This is where you define whether or not you're a fucking man or you're still a boy, all right? And I'm not trying to be a douche, I'm being serious. A true man will stand up, look your present girlfriend in the eye, tell her the fucking truth. And the fucking truth is simply, I want to end this relationship. You're a great person. Don't say stupid shit like, uh, your love wasn't enough for me. Don't say that. We were just dealing with that bullshit in the last question, right? Look her in the face and say, you're a terrific person. And if I'm really honest with you, I just want to live more life, and I don't want to be tied down right now. Your kids are wonderful. You're wonderful. It's just where I'm at. That's you being honest without being hurtful, okay? Now, she's going to be hurt because breakups hurt by nature, but you're not hurting her deliberately as a person or her character or who she is. You're not saying any of that. You're just saying, I want to live my young life. There's nothing wrong with wanting to live your young life. Your young life. Where it's wrong is if you go your, live your young life while you're still in this fucking relationship. Now it, that's douchebag time. That's you still being a little boy scurrying around behind the scenes cheating and shit. And this comes from a guy who did cheat. All right? I was the little douchebag. That was me. Okay? Don't be a douchebag. Don't be like I was. Okay? We, we, as we grow older, we be respectful. You break it up and then go after the other girl. But what's fascinating is you're putting this whole thing in a sentence, in two sentences. It's almost like, why would why is this even a difficult formula? You break up with the one, you go pursue the next one. Where's the problem? Well, the problem is, is you feel bad doing it, don't you? Otherwise, you wouldn't have even posed this fucking issue, this question, this topic. You feel bad looking your existing girlfriend in the face and telling the truth and hurting her feelings, right? And looking like a bad guy, probably to her kids too. Yeah, and guess what? This is what hard decisions are. Hard decisions are looking someone in the eye, knowing it's going to hurt them, but I need to do it anyway. That's a hard decision, but it's a respectable decision. It's like when you've gotten in trouble or the cop has pulled you over because you're going 75 and a 55. You know what? Just tell the truth. You know what, officer? You're right. And I deserve that ticket because that's what you got right here. And if you take even one fucking one hundredth of a step towards the other girl you're interested in without breaking this off, you're being a fucking asshole. Don't do that. Just break it off and go on. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be out of the relationship. Nothing wrong with wanting to move on. Nothing wrong with moving on. Just do it the right way. That's a man. And you're going to hurt her feelings. But let me tell you one thing. She'll, long term, she'll respect you far more for ending it before you move on than she would ever respect you later by moving on a bit before you end it. She'll hate you for that much more later. Trust me. Because I've been cheated on too. All right. Next question. What do you guys got? All right, here we go. We are on the topic of love. We got uh, Merly10P saying, hello, good day. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you, Merly. I appreciate that. I, I've got Valentine's around the world. You, you guys used to make the Valentine's boxes when you were kids? It's Valentine's box in school. I used to love making Valentine's boxes, you know, and not just a simple box, but I'd make like different shapes. My dad was a pastor, so one year I made it in the shape of a church. And the slot was in the top. And then you're always seeing if the pretty girls gave you Valentine's. And then, you know, all the guys did, but they're stupid. So you throw those up. Valentine's, man. Valentine's Day was the best. All right. So thank you for Valentine. Tomorrow, I hope, 
Uh, everyone has someone somewhere, even if it's a parent or a best friend who, who can be your Valentine, uh, you know, give you some love or, and someone that you have love to give to. Uh, my girlfriend has an old man that she takes care of, old fella from Russia and a nice fella. And she has a few other older folks that she's good to. And uh, she's uh, giving out some Valentine's tomorrow, making sure they get some love because we all need some love in life, right? All right. So we've got a question here queued up. And I have no indicator of your gender, not that it really matters, but it just makes it easier for me, And but it doesn't matter. You say, said I love you to a guy after five months and he isn't able to respond. It's okay. It sucks. I would want to ask you if you and I were in conversation, what hurts the most, that he didn't say it back or that you put it out there and it wasn't reciprocated? Are you feeling unloved? Are you feeling exposed What's the dominant feeling? That would be a question I would want to lead with. But I'm going to play the ball as it lies here. I said I love you to a guy after nine months, and he isn't able to respond. There's no question stated there, but I'm going to tinker with it anyway. Um, there's no timeline on when you say I love you. There are a lot of people that say, wait, wait, wait. And I see the value in that. But I also, I'm the type of guy that um, I say what I fucking feel. So if I feel it and fucking, you know, Two weeks of knowing you, I'm going to fucking say it. The, the downside, of course, is some people interpret love as if I say I love you, it means I want to be with you forever and you're my permanent person and so on and so forth. Whereas some people say I love you because it's what they're feeling in the moment. And it doesn't come with that, any sort of commitment behind it. So because someone has a different history, they interpret a word differently. And I know that may not seem fair to some people, but it's simply fucking true. I mean, think about, no, oh, what's a colloquialism or what's a slang term? The word fat, right? I grew up, fat meant fat. You know, Sven's getting fat. He's got 30 extra pounds on him or whatever. But then in the 90s and 2000s, the word fat, P-H-A-T, well, that had a different meaning, didn't it, right? Um, and so words have different meanings to different people, right? And love is one of them. And so when you say, I love you to another person, um, is to me, less important than or less, oh, right and wrong than understanding that the other person, that you know what you mean when you say it. And does the other person understand what you mean when you say it? Um, but I said, I love you to a guy after five months and he isn't able to respond. Is it that he, did he literally say, I'm not able to respond or did he simply not respond? And what's interesting is I, I'm just going to play this as I said I love you to a guy after five months and he isn't able to respond. I'm going to play it as he didn't respond. I'm going to play it. I'm going to act as if you didn't say to him, so do you love me, right? Because that would be a weird thing to say. I'm guessing that you said it to him, he didn't respond, and you're like, well, he just wasn't able to. Isn't it interesting, though, your uh, your verb choice there? Um, able. He isn't able to respond. You didn't say he doesn't want to respond or he refuses to respond. You, you, you re describe it as ability. He lacks the ability. Ah, wait, he lacks the ability to respond? So he doesn't have the ability to speak and he doesn't sign either. So he has no way of communicating. Oh, of course he can speak, right. So he does have the ability to respond. So it's not about ability to respond. It's either A, he feels the, doesn't feel feelings of love towards you, or B, feels the feelings of love, but chooses not to say them. He can speak. I guarantee he says he loves his dog, or he said he loved his old girlfriend, or said he loved his mother or his father. 
I guarantee he loves ice cream or something. I guarantee he knows how to say the word love. So it's not that he doesn't have the ability to say it. So saying he's not able is not accurate and it's sort of letting him off the hook. Oh, it must be because he's not able. No, he either doesn't feel the love or he doesn't want to reveal the love. And so my question to you, if we were having a beer or something like that, glass of bourbon, is I would be, I would ask you the question or just sitting in a park watching the ducks on the pond, which would hurt more? Because you said he didn't say I love you back. So which would hurt more? To know that A, he doesn't love you, or B, he does love you but doesn't want to say it. Either doesn't feel comfortable or is afraid or is angry at you and is withholding love. And he, you know, maybe it's for some sort of malicious purpose. What would hurt more to know that he doesn't love you after five months or to know that he does and he withholds love? Because that's really, those are the two choices you're dealing with. It's not that uh, he lacks the ability. He knows how to say those words. He just chooses not to either because he doesn't feel it or he does feel it and he's scared or he's withholding it for some reason. All right, after this short break, I'll continue to take you deep, deep, right here on the Badass Counseling Show. My best friend made me listen to some podcast, said it had blown her away. So we listened to a lightning round of the Badass Counseling Show together. All I can say is, wow. First podcast I had ever listened to. Now it's my addiction. If you haven't done it yet, you need to subscribe to the Badass Counseling Show. This show provides soul counseling intended to entertain and inform and is not medical advice. Now, back to the badass. We are back with a lightning round of the Badass Counseling Show. And right before we went to break, I was answering a question, and I see a follow-up here. He said he is mad that he can't. All right, he's mad that he can't express love. All right, so he doesn't uh, have somewhere in him, there's some sort of blockage. So he knows how to use the words, but there's something blocking him inside of him that renders him unable, right? And what's also interesting, he's mad that he can't. There's just so much to unpack there. And if I were sitting sitting on a park bench looking at the ducks uh, with him, I wanna ask him, why mad? Why does it make you mad? Is it mad because it's been screwing up your life that you can't? quote unquote, can't say I love you? Is Are you mad that, what are you, because that's where, that's the line I would pr- want to pursue. And then I'd also want to pursue, well, why can't you? I'm going to put it to you. And the simple question that you need to be looking at is, what are you feeling? Because the truth is your boyfriend, your boyfriend or this guy you've been with that you said I love you to five months ago and he hasn't said it and he's mad that he can't, he needs to be in counseling because he's got so much shit packed inside of him that needs to come out. And he's been conditioned to probably in all likelihood, maybe grew up in a home where love wasn't spoken or shown, or he did show it and got shut down as a child, but he's kept his feelings of love locked down, which means he may be potentially a person who doesn't express feelings. And that's something you might want to just slow walk a little bit, going into a relationship with someone who doesn't express feelings. And let me tell you why, because you get 20 years down the road, if you're a person who expresses feelings, as you obviously are, you get 20 years, you get 10 years down the road and you're in a, and you realize, oh shit, it's not gonna change. I'm in a relationship with someone who doesn't express their fucking feelings. 
you are going to be so fucking miserable. You want to know why? Because you're not going to feel connected. You're going to feel like I don't have a real relationship. You're going to feel like your husband is just fucking distant. And that distance grows. If he's not willing to go inside and start figuring out the problems of why he's disconnected from his feelings and why he can't say it. And that's what I wrote my book for. You know, the um, there's a hole in my love cup is to get that crud out. But if you walk further into a relationship with someone who can't or won't or whatever love, who's disconnected from their own fucking feelings, that means they're going to be unable or unwilling, uh, uh, unable to show feelings towards you. How long do you think you're going to be able to fucking last? Well, you're five months and you're already wondering what the problem is. You're already feeling discontent at five months of him not expressing love. Do you think that's going to get greater or lesser over five years or 25 years? Exactly. It's going to get bigger and it's going to get harder for you. So now, phase two, he said he is mad that he can't say he loves me to me. All right, fine. So he, at the moment, he lacks the ability. But, and you said he's mad that he can't. If he's really mad that he can't show love and express love, if he truly is mad and it's not just bullshit words, then he should be mad enough to change it. And what I mean is he should be mad to go inside and find out what the problem is. He should be mad, mad enough to go to counseling. Fuck. He should read my fucking book. That'll kick your fucking ass. That'll kick his fucking ass. And that'll force him to go inside, but he needs to go inside. He needs to go inside. And so now, if going inside and, and flushing out all the crud so that, and finding his internal belief system, the bullshit he was taught about himself, if that's the solution, now does he choose the solution? Now it's not about he can't. Now it's about he won't. He doesn't want to go inside. He doesn't want to find the solution. See, now he's saying to you, if he does that, if you say, listen, you got to go to counseling, man. You got to fix this. I can't stay in a relationship with someone who doesn't express feelings. That's just a dead end street for me. And if he chooses to not go into counseling, now it's not that he can't express himself. Now it's, I don't care enough about you and having a relationship with you that I want to change me. Well, that's a bit more of a powerful sentence, isn't it? Now he's saying you're not worth it. And if he's saying that now, he ain't going to change that tune. You walk into a fucking relationship with someone who's not willing to fucking better themselves to make you happier or knowing you're bettering yourself to make them happier and make yourselves happier as individuals. If you got somebody who's unwilling to do that now, you are just walking into an absolute, absolute fuck storm in the next two years, five years, 20 years. All right, next question. How do I turn down a married coworker who has been overly flirtatious and not lose our friendship? Um, uh, well, the sly little voice in my head says, "Oh, good luck with that one." Uh, but no, here we go. A, you don't, you obviously don't feel comfortable with your married coworker being flirtatious and or flirt, flirtatious in a work setting, or maybe when you've been off work or something like that. Uh, and yet you value this person's friendship. In all honesty, if you want the God's honest truth, I am a huge believer in just putting your nuts on the table. Literally say to the person, I'm just going to call him Steve. Steve, I think you're great. And I love having you as my friend, but the flirtation has to stop. This has to stop. A, you're married. And B, I don't, I don't want that from a married man. I, I just don't. I feel bad for your wife. And I don't like it for me. Steve, I want to be your friend, but this has to stop. And you have to be clear and you have to hold. That's called setting a boundary because it makes you uncomfortable. And maybe you feel bad about his wife or his husband, whoever he's you know married to. That's called setting a boundary for yourself for your own fucking reasons. 
But it's also being clear and you're stating explicitly, I value our friendship, I want our friendship and the flirtation has to stop. That's it. Because anything else is a dog and pony show. Anything else is like, oh, I'll say a little bit of this. I'll say a little bit of that. Maybe if I just say, no, just put the truth out there as simply as plainly as possible. So there's no room for equivocation. There's no room for misunderstanding. Put it out there. And the beauty, and you, maybe you guys have heard me say this before. I love putting the truth out there when it's not deliberately being hurtful, you know, or we're not trying to hurt the person. Like, oh, this is what's wrong with you. You know, brutal honesty shit. No, the, the truth, just the radical honesty of what's my truth. The reason I love it so much is because when you put your truth out there, all you got to do then is just sit back and watch how the other person responds because they are about to reveal to you who they really are. Now, if you shade the truth with a little bit of lie or with a little bit of hedging your bet, then you don't know if they'll respond, if their response, if they're responding to the truth part of what you're saying or the sort of hedging, sort of fudging side of what you're saying. But when you just put your truth out there, plain and simple, and say to them, in this case, Laura asked the question, how do I turn down a married coworker who's been overly flirtatious and not lose our friendship? If you just put the truth out there, plain and simple, and say, listen, Steve, or whatever his name is, Steve, I don't feel comfortable with flirtation. I need to stop. And But I want to maintain our friendship. I love our friendship, but no flirtation. And you can even give your reasons why. I don't like it in a work setting. It weirds me out. You, you're weirding me out, honestly, Steve. It's not, I know it may feel okay to you. It's not, doesn't, it makes me want to distance myself from you. It's just too weird. I don't like it. I just want our friendship. Okay. When you put it, whatever your reason is, just put it out there. And the beauty of truth is you're about to see who she, who he is. When you put it out there without fudging, without equivocating, without, you know, uh, you know, saying stuff to, you know, sort of hedge your bed, bed a bit. Watch how they respond. Either Steve, Steve is going to do one of two things. He's a derivative of either you know what, Laura, you're right. I shouldn't be flirting with you and I'm sorry. And I value our friendship too. And I'm going to stop. I promise you, I'm going to stop. And then if he goes on to stop and not do it, thank you, Steve. You've just shown me who you are. How he responds in that moment and subsequent to that moment, but how he responds in that moment, if he hears you, he honors what you say and he says, yes, and I need to, you're right. I need to stop on that. Thank you, Steve. You've just shown me who you are. You are fucking, you fucked up and you're honoring my needs. And I was going to say, thank you, Steve. You're a stand-up guy, but you shouldn't be flirting with someone outside of your fucking marriage, dude. But okay, so you're not a total stand-up guy, but at least with regarding our friendship, you're a stand-up guy. I respect that, okay? Or Steve is going to do some derivative of, I'm not, I'm not flirting. What are you talking about? Or come on, it's not that bad. You know, it's just so, we flirt a little bit, big deal. Oh, Steve, thank you for showing me who you are. You have just confirmed that you're the douchebag that you are when you're flirting uh, with someone else on your wife. So you're not only doing the flirting, but then you're trying to cover it up. So you're a bigger douchebag than you are showing, right? Now you're confirming your douchebaggery. Rob's clapping. Thanks, Rob. Casey's smiling. She's like, Sven, you're not as dumb as you look. To which my father would always say, not that that's possible. Um, but here's the real thing. It's really about, I don't want to lose it. I'm getting something from this friendship and you don't want to lose it. You have to be willing to lose it in order to put the truth out there and maintain your boundaries. And this is a message to all women. And this is a message to all men. Until you are walking, willing to walk away from a relationship, you are going to abdicate power in that relationship. 
Until you know you will be okay, if you ever have to walk away, you will tolerate, you will eat shit. You will tolerate crap. You'll tolerate poor treatment. You'll sell the farm. You'll let someone be mean to you, say hurtful words, hit you, take advantage of you, be mean to your kids, take your money. You'll give, 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 give. You'll allow them to be mean to you. If you're not, if you don't have the ability in you to walk away from someone, if you're so terrified of being alone or so, or so terrified of looking like the bad guy, if you're not willing to do that, or in this case, if you're not willing to lose that friendship, you're going to eat more shit in this relationship. And where we find our strength, when we get our power back, is when we're willing to lose things for being who we are and standing up for what we believe in. All right. All right, next question. Please define, okay, this is not a breakup question here, guys. We are definitely off the topic of Valentine's Day and breakups. And I know it was odd that I chose breakups on Valentine's Day, but let's be really honest. Who does Valentine's Day often hit the most? It's the people who don't have the love, right? who just went through a breakup and it's ripping their fucking heart out, right? So we're going to have more breakup and love questions, but this one is so off that topic that it grabbed my eye, so we're going to run with it because this is such a hot topic right now. And this is Troy, and he says, please define launch, quote unquote, as in the kid in the basement just couldn't launch. Thank you. Please define launch, as in the kid in the basement just couldn't launch. Launch means begin to be going somewhere. And launch, failure to launch is really, it's sort of a pejorative term. It's when, uh, you know, someone is doing something that they, uh, is not doing something that they, then if they were normal, they would be doing. Yes, well, what the hell does that mean? What's normal and so on and so forth. Uh, and failure to launch implies someone's not getting their life together. Get on with your life. It's sort of a, a pejorative term, a put down term done by adults, done by parents and saying, you need to be, off and doing more. You need to be working harder. You need to be where I think you need to be. You need to be doing what I think you need to be doing. And you're obviously failing. And launching is what 20-year-olds do. Launching is what 25-year-olds do. You should be launching. And so what does it mean to launch? Um, and from that perspective, from the angry parent perspective, to launch means to basically meet their expectations, to be going in some direction to build something with your life is generally what it means. And parents get frustrated when that, some parents get frustrated when they don't see their kid doing that. However, from the kid's perspective, what does it mean to launch? Well, the real truth is, Troy, I'd want to ask you that exact question. What would it mean for you to launch? What would it feel like? Do you feel like you're not launched? And you're almost implying in your statement, please define launch as in the kid in the basement just couldn't launch. Thank you. It's almost like you're hearing it, but you don't from someone, but you don't uh, feel that way yourself, like you're not launched. Um, and I guess the real question that boils down to you, Troy, is do you have the just courage, courage in life to be who you really are? To move at your own speed, to whether it's launch, don't launch, go after the things and pursue those things in life and enjoy the life that you want to build or create or have. Um, and the truth is, if you are living in someone's basement, uh, it's perfectly reasonable for that person, if it's their home, to have expectations of, well, you know, you, you know, contribute, be a part of the family, that sort of thing. Um, and if you don't want to do that, you have every right to not want to do that. But then you kind of got to go and create your life where you want to do it. Um, but there may be other issues going on deep inside of you, feelings and, and stuff from the past that is not being dealt with. Um, 
And so I guess I would say that um, you probably want to deal with that stuff first. All right. More to come in a minute. But first, a short break. And here's a little conversation I had not too long ago with one of my producers, KC. So KC, you've been in this business a long time. Why do you work on my show? It's because we're helping people change their lives. Listen to some of the feedback we get. Finding that podcast changed my life, my career, and the way I parent my son. This man basically broke my generational trauma. Or this one. I heard one of your podcasts last week, and it was talking about how a girl was always very reactive when she was talking to her mom. And then it was because she's constantly listening to all the negative things her mom said, and that became her own inner voice. I shared that with my therapist, and when I say I was in tears, I was bawling. I've only ever brought my mom up in therapy like two or three times, and today was a major breakthrough. So thank you so much, Sven. You're amazing. Well, Casey, I love having you on the show, and you're amazing what you bring to the team. And it's cool to think that we're touching people's lives, and thanks for what you put into it. I really believe in this show. People should definitely subscribe and download it. It'll change your life. Back with more to kick your ass. Here's Sven. Hi, guys. Good to have you back. And it's great to be back. And Rob, Casey, here with me in the studio. Rob, how are you feeling? So far, so good. What what could go wrong? <laughs> exactly. Next question. My husband of 13 years was found to be cheating, and he walked out on us. I am crushed and broken, but know what must be done. How can I make the healing process easier? I got to be honest with you on this one. You say you know what must be done. I'm just curious. I wish I could ask you, what exactly is it that you know must be done? Because for some people, knowing what must be done, if I were to say, well, what do you know must be done? They'd say, oh, I know I got to, you know, forgive him and take him back and so that this family can be together and I got to do it for the kids. Or I know what must be done. Some people would say, I know I need to file for a divorce tomorrow, you know, or I, I would be really curious to hear what your no is. But alas, I only get your question. And the question is, how can I make the healing process easier? Well, clearly, you know part of what must be done, and that is the healing process. But even that is a little tricky, because are you referring to, you say, my husband of 13 years was found to be cheating, and he walked out on us. I'm crushed and broken, but know what must be done. How can I make the healing process easier? Do you mean your healing process? Uh, and you said he walked out on us, so that implies you have kids. Do you mean the healing process of you and the kids over your uh, husband having done these things, or do you mean the healing process between you and your husband? Now, I'm going to be really straight up with you. You know that my business is badass counseling, so you're asking me for the truth. If you are trying to heal with your husband, um, he cheated and he walked out, implying he didn't want to talk about it. He obviously didn't want to talk about the problems before he cheated, so he cheated. So first off, he didn't want to talk about the problems. Then he walks out, which implies he didn't want to talk about the problems after he was caught cheating. So he has twice proven he doesn't want to talk about the problems. So I, I'm going to hope that you are not saying, how do I heal with my husband? Because clearly he's walked out on wanting to talk about it. He has no interest in talking about the real issues going on in the relationship. So there's no healing you can be doing there. He's already basically giving you the fuck you. you. I'm not fucking doing any sort of healing shit. So I, I'm i really hoping that's not what you mean because you want to know why? If you're going 
back in when someone has now more than once said to you, I have no interest in talking about our problems. If you're going back in and trying to get him to heal and talk it out, you're, you're already forfeiting power. Not that relationships are about some power move, but when somebody is doing the such dickish stuff as cheating and then walking out and not talking about it, they are exercising power over you and you so want them back that you're going to beg and do anything to keep them back, which means you are going to not maintain your boundaries. You're not going to stand up for yourself. You're not going to do what's right by you and in the best interest of the kids. You're coming into it from a weakened position. So let's assume that when you say, I know what must be done, how can I make the healing process easier? I'm going to assume you mean your healing of having been left and having been cheated on. The way, the goal, you're asking the wrong question. How can I make the healing process easier? If your goal is easy, that means you're trying to move on and and get past it and get going forward and minimize the damage of it. That shouldn't be your goal. Your goal should be not to make the healing process easier, but to make the healing process fuller. Doesn't necessarily mean harder. It will be harder, but uh, well, that's not necessarily true. Long-term, it'll be harder to keep all the pain down. But if you wanna make the healing process easier, healing and easy don't belong in the same sentence. Healing and complete belong in the same sentence. You should be focusing on how do I make the healing process more complete so that you've, the example I like to use, and it's a dopey example, but uh, you know, I, I live in the New England area, uh, just outside of New York City, and commute into the city and all that. And in winter, I don't have my grill outside because it's, well, it's winter, right? So if I want a steak, I got to do it in the broiler Uh, in the oven, right? And so you have that pan that has the slits in it and you put your steak on there and then the grease from the steak drops down into the pan below it that catches it, right? And then I've cooked my steak and I've done it, brought it up to like, you know, 150 degrees, whatever. And uh, and then I set the pan aside and then get the asparagus and the, you know, rice cauliflower or whatever. And then I get some, you know, bread and go over a glass of wine and I have my steak dinner. And let's say I take my time eating, that's 45 minutes, that's an hour, and I just have a nice, pleasant dinner. Well, guess what? I gotta go back and I gotta clean that pan, and the grease comes, some of the grease comes out because it's still wet. Some has has sort of firmed up, and I can scrape that out with a spatula, but then there's the grease that gets caked into the side of that pan, that gets brown, that gets black. So I gotta get out a fucking Brillo pad, and I gotta start scrubbing that fucking pan. Well, it's the same way with healing. If you really want to heal the pain in your past, you got to get you got to scrub and scrub. Otherwise, you're taking that caked on grease of past pains and of past messages you were taught about yourself and you're just carrying them into the next fucking relationship. It's like you're just putting it back in the oven next time with all that grease still on there. And guess what? It gets cruddier and cruddier and cruddier and that shit builds up on your broiler pan. And eventually you just got to throw the boiler broiler pan out because it's so crappy and dirty and nasty. Well, time to do some scrubbing. How do you make the healing process fuller and more complete? By going inside. And this is why I wrote the book, There's a Hole in My Love Cup. This is, you've got to begin going inside. You've got to be journaling. You've got to be using you know, some of the uh, releasing techniques that I talk about in the book um, beyond journaling and letter writing, using these and to not only go into the pain from being cheated on, from a broken relationship and being walked out on, but also all of the stuff that predated this relationship. That's where the real healing is going to happen. And if this is going to impact your children and depending on their ages, well, pretty much, you know, 
<laughs> regardless of their ages, they need to have a counselor, someone they can talk to more than just you because they may at times blame you and need to get their feelings out. And why blame you? You can't blame the victim. I'm not blaming you. I'm saying little kids' minds don't know what's going on. They don't know how to make head or tail out of it, right? And they need to have a non-biased person that they can talk to. They may feel like I'm mad at mommy because mommy made daddy go away, even though it has nothing to do with reality. And they need to be able to get those feelings out. And then those feelings pass. Or they need to talk to someone who can help them see that, you know, that may, but maybe isn't what happened. But you don't get to control all the conversations with your kid. And you don't want to either because that's not going to be healthy for the kid. And just for the record, please don't weaponize your children against their father as much as you might want to in this case, as much as you might feel justified. Tell them stories about how bad he is and shit like that so as to hurt him back. And we've all been tempted to do that, right? Oh, you hurt me? I'm going to fucking weaponize these children against you, motherfucker. Don't do that. All right, next question. All right, this person posted <laughs> multiple questions right on top of each other. I don't know how you do it. I know you're only given a few number of characters you can do in a comment box, but you managed to string a few together here. So here we go. Sven, I've said all I can say to my son about going back with his NPD cheating wife. Will sharing your videos to him help or will he just block them out? All right. And then the person followed up with, right now, I think he's tired of hearing me say, I won't stand for what she did, the harm she caused my grandson and even me financially and emotionally. And then the third part. I've drawn the line in the sand, but your videos really address what he needs to hear. But will he? I'm lost. Okay, what is most pivotal to me in that is clearly, okay, his wife cheats and he's staying. All right, and you ask, you're basically asking me, should I show my son your videos? Because I think they're spot on. Should I show him the videos? Um, and then you say this, I think he's tired of hearing me say I won't stand for what she did and the harm she's caused him. I think he's tired of hearing me say it. All right, you've said it. You've made your point. Now back the fuck off. Honestly, I say back the fuck off. Not because you're wrong, but because when someone's not listening, do you know what often happens when we tell people, you should, you should, you should, you should, you should. Eventually they stop listening and they become entrenched against your message just because you're doing such a hard sell. It's not even that they're entrenched against you because they disagree with you completely, but you've made them more disagree with your message because of how you're fucking delivering it. You're doing such a hard sell that it's just like back the fuck off. It's like you're not even letting them breathe. And so they're entrenching against the message that were that message delivered differently they might actually be open to. So in this case, you flat out say, I think he's tired of hearing me say that I won't stand for what she did. Well, if you think he's tired of it, he probably is tired of it. And he's probably tired of it a long time ago. So mom, what I'm telling you is just back off. And now is when your son has to go through his own version of hell. And now when it is, you have to recognize your son as an adult now, and you are no longer his mommy. You've done what you can. You've made your peace. And now, and mommy, as in he needs you to wipe his butt. All right, he has to learn to wipe his own butt now. And he has to go through the pain getting bad enough. And he may come to you and say, mom, you were right. And at that point, don't, don't be the a-hole that says, I know, and I know what's best for my kids. And you should have, don't be that person. That's just you and, and ego bullshit. Don't do that, all right? 
that, but now he has to learn on his own and his, you want to save him the pain of continuing a relationship with him, with her, and he wants to stay. And this is what it means to let our children make their own goddamn decisions. And he needs to fall on his own and succeed on his own. And you need to let go. And you need to begin to work on your own feelings. What's going on inside of you? Well, I feel nervous. I feel anxious. I feel fearful for my son's future. I feel, okay, you need to deal with all your feelings because your feelings are now getting in the way of your interactions with your son. And he's pulling away from you. He's becoming entrenched against your message. And if you persist even more, entrenched against you. So you are now creating fundamentally a breach in this relationship. But you need to begin to detach from the results in your son's life. This is, in the end, his life. All right, next question. Oh, this is good. Here we go. This is from Total Sausage. Uh, you know that, I, Rob, I did not know this, that like in Great Britain, when you, like you might say about a young boy, oh, he's a sausage. He's a sausage, like a cute kid or something. Are you familiar with that term? Yeah, generally it's used uh, about our dog because uh, he sort of looks like a sausage. Oh, well, there's that. <laughs> I don't know about how it applies to people. I thought it, I thought it was like a British term. Oh, he's a real sausage. Well, um, that's what my wife calls the dog. <laughs> all right, fair enough, fair enough. Well, maybe it's not such a, f a friendly term. Anyway, that's the person's name. Here's the question. Sven, how does someone get out of a 12-year marriage? Well, uh, <laughs> there's more after that, but I, usually I think, you just go file, talk to a lawyer, file for a divorce. But there's more to it than that. Sven, how does someone get out of a 12-year marriage? Both have cheated, and the other says they will tell the kids everything if the partner leaves them. Hope you see this. Thanks in advance. Um, and, right. And I'm just going to assume that they won't tell the kids that they cheated, just that you did, all right? To me, honestly, this one is just so easy and so clean, uh, it's ugly, but it's clean. One of the things I tell couples who are considering divorcing or when I have an individual who's considering getting a divorce is I tell them I believe in mutually assured destruction. What got us through the Cold War in the United States was that Russia knew that we had nukes, we knew that they had nukes, that we're not gonna push the button because then you'll push your fucking button, you'll blow me up, all right? The mere fact that they can play that card and it scares you says this person has power over you. Says this person is likely you've been afraid of them your entire relationship. And you wanna know why I say that? I say it because you're afraid of your kids knowing what you did. And you're, but you don't realize that you have just as much power as your partner has. You literally hold the exact same card that your partner has. Why have you not said, go for it, sugar tits, because I'll play my fucking card. I will literally tell them everything. That's mutually assured destruction. But you haven't played that card, which makes you either A, makes me realize either A, you don't know that you have that card, B, you don't realize how powerful that card is, or C, oh, I could never play that card. No, that's exactly what you need to say to your partner. You want to blow shit up? Okay, let's blow shit up. You want to know why? Because so often, and I made this mistake, so often in divorces, we make the mistake of one person being the asshole and no one is standing up to the bully. And even if you never play that card, let the bully believe that you will play that card. Oh, I will fucking nuke. I will nuke. You want to go nuke? We're going to go nuke. And let me tell you, that's a hard decision to make. And I'm not telling you you shouldn't launch your nukes. I'm not telling you you should launch your nukes in telling your kids uh, that, you know, he cheated too. 
That's a decision only you can make. Each has its ups and each has its downs. I, for years, believed in the argument that I don't want to do anything that's going to cause any sort of emotional damage to my kids. When I was getting a divorce, um, you know, the therapist said, you know, that gave us some research and said, you know, don't hurt the other parent in the years of the child. Why? Because it's hard on the child's soul. It hurts the child to know bad things about the other parent. So don't hurt the other parent. And so that's what I did. But that only works if both parents are doing it. And it only works insofar as I lost a good chunk of my kids' young lives because I wasn't disparaging their mother. And I know for absolute fact, she was disparaging me. And so that skews a child's version of the other parent if there's no counter message. And I didn't have any family giving counter message. And I know her family sure as shit wasn't giving counter message to her message. So my children grew up, why wouldn't they believe their mother? And if no one's giving them a counter message. So that created a breach in my relationship with my kids that has healed in the, you know, since they got into their 20s. But um, but then the other side of it is, well, if I do stand up for myself and say, yes, that's true, and your father cheated too, that creates pain and confusion for the child. But in all honesty, in this case, if you know you need to get out of this marriage and you are terrified to do it because you are afraid of him telling um, or her, your partner, telling the kids, um, you're basically partly afraid of looking bad to your kids. Well, you need to be willing to look bad. And you need to be willing to play that card because you need to get out because you're actually harming the kids more by staying in a relationship where clearly two people don't love each other. If you've both cheated, you don't love each other anymore or you're certainly not in love. And this is, you're harming your kids and you're teaching your children this is what love is. You're wa they're watching you and it doesn't matter what shiny face you're putting on it. They're watching you. And this is not what you wanna teach them about love. And better a breakup and they can have some peace afterwards but the longer you protract this the more somewhere deep inside them your kids are wishing christ i wish they would just fucking divorce but no you need to say to your spouse i'm you know talk to divorce lawyers first before you ever tell your partner you're divorcing go talk to a few divorce lawyers find out the laws in your state build your plan first before you ever announce it to your partner and then have your partner served where after you already have your plan in place, including your exit strategy, not just legally, but where you're gonna live and so on and so forth, and then serve the partner, have them served. And if they say, you know, I'm gonna tell the kid, I'm gonna tell the kids, say, great, I am too. I'm so sick of your shit. I'm gonna blow you the fuck up. I'm gonna make you look so fucking bad. So you wanna do it, fucking do it. And I'm gonna do it right back to you. Because very often they then fear doing it because they fear for their own image so much. The mere fact that your partner would even play that card says that they're willing to harm you to protect themselves. And unless they have that exact same fear, they will harm you. They will keep you in a relationship that serves them and it's gonna continue to chew up, eat up, and spit out your fucking life. Well, this has been a wonderful favorite. Love, love it. I mean, really different bunch of questions for a, a lightning round. I've enjoyed it on uh, this taping that we're doing right before Valentine's Day. You're going to cut that out, Rob? No, I'm, it's okay. I mean, uh, we're live uh, on tape. And so we're doing this taping before Valentine's Day, and we got so a lot of love covered, and that touches us all. And so I want to thank everyone for their questions. I want to thank everyone for tuning in around the world. I love you all. Thank you so much. And on behalf of Rob and KC, have a kick-ass day. The Badass Counseling Show is strictly copyrighted. 
No copies may be made without the express written consent of The Badass Counseling Show, LLC. The Badass Counseling Show is produced by Karen Camparelli and Robert H. Friedman. Executive producer, Sven Erlinson. Original music by two-time Emmy Award-winning composer, Trevor Morris. Have a kick-ass day. Thank you.